Yes, can you hear me? Yeah. It's on. Oh, the thing is on. Okay. Yes. Great. <laughs> Welcome to another Comic Book Friday for Seven Days to Rock and Stone Guardian. How are you, Kev? I'm okay. I've uh, taken some half days this recent little bit, which is nice. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's going good. Much to start a new job. Any uh, more time to sleep? No, not really. Okay. No. Well, it takes time. I don't sleep. I don't sleep at all. <laughs> sleep, sleep is overrated. <laughs> no, it's S- not. Sleep's for the dead. Sleep is. Uh, the dead do sleep. Quite sleep a lot. like the dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ryan. What are we doing today? So we're going to continue our talk of the Eternals. So uh, last week we uh, got into. Where they come from, um, and you know some of the prehistory, uh, some of the things that they did uh, before, uh, like the Avengers and all that existed. So we know that they were created by the Celestials, and in the comic book universe, they are not machines. They are not synthetic. They are genetically altered humans. So they are like people that just have uh, different DNA, but are still essentially human. Um, yeah, okay. as well as the Deviants, which were also genetically engineered by the Celestials and left on the planet um, as kind of a balancing act. And the Deviants carry the mutant X gene. Uh, Those Deviants. They, they, well, yeah, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about the mutants, but uh, the Deviants are a little bit different. So Deviants can uh, gain excess mutation and uh, become like large monsters. And then the Eternals are uh, more or less programmed to kill uh, any uh, deviant that has uh, expressed that excess deviation. But now we're going to get into some of the deeper stuff. So uh, this is all the stuff that's happened recently uh, and some of the ongoing things. Uh, But first, let's talk about the comic books that came out this week. Yes, please. Uh, Me? So... Uh, we have Thor 26, Banner of War Part 4. Uh, so that seems to be ratcheting up pretty good. Uh, we got The Amazing Spider-Man number 3. Uh, third issue in a new arc for Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, Venom number 8. Uh, always good to see more Venom. Uh, we got Star Wars 24. Uh, Marauders number 3. So the battle against the Kin Crimson continues in Marauders 3. And we see the... Uh, Marauders under Kitty Pride uh, take the fight to a, a secret sect of warriors in the Shi'ar Empire. Uh, Legion of X number two, Savage Avengers number two, the new run of Savage Avengers. Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number one. You got Star Wars Tales Car Santan number one. That is the Wookiee bounty hunter you see in The Mandalorian. Cool. Uh, and then we have a crossover from Marvel and Fortnite, Zero War number one. I uh, don't know what that's about. What does Fortnite, also, Fortnite has their own comic books now? Kind of. Um, they did a crossover with DC uh, a couple months ago. Um, I think it's mostly to you know continue to promote the their new seasons game, as they come out. New seasons. Uh, I think. You get new skins when you buy the comic books, like there are codes in there. Yeah, I've seen some of the skins that they've given away, uh, like Spider-Man, Thanos at one time. Mm-hmm. Some of the interesting characters. Well, they have they just have like a wild variety of characters in that game, just because it's so popular. That mm. um, basically everybody wants their content represented. Popular, um, f- popular for children. Yeah, I'm sure it, it probably has no impact on the actual uh, Marvel Universe. Um, no. I'm other sure. than, like, extenuating things, it's definitely like a pocket story, I'm sure. Gotcha. Not a fan. No. I, uh, I don't get say, it. I, you know, I don't know if you knew much about the, like, original Fortnite um, when they were, like, first talking about it. No. So it wasn't meant to be like a battle royale type game. It was uh, going to be like a wave-based game, kind of like Left 4 Dead, something like that, where you'd go on this map and you would be running around this city, um, you know, trying to fortify buildings as like the waves came at you. So like a survival like, wave game, sort of like that. 
like kind of like that. And like then I think there were uh, it's called Last Stand and whatever. Last Stand, um, Left for Dead. I think something like that. Probably some somewhere between what yeah. that's supposed to be. I remember, um, I remember but, that. I like that mode. That was an interesting one. Yeah, uh, but you know they they put out the Battle Royale and it ended up being you know much more popular. So they just pivoted to that because uh, it had a at that point had had a very very long development period. Mm. And I think they were like, okay, well, if this works, great. If this doesn't work, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, why bother? And it, it turned out good for them. So, you know, yeah, apparently. if you enjoy it, that's cool. If you don't enjoy it, that's cool. I personally don't care. I have no opinion other than the fact that it's probably for kids mostly. I, I think, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to make this up. Apex, but, not, um, I feel like Apex I Legends. I just and, don't like it that much. Apex Legends, PUBG. Call of Duty, all those ones. I'm not a big PvP guy, so I just don't really enjoy those type of games. What, eh. Doesn't matter to me. Yeah. All right. Well, DC, DC, we got a couple from DC. We got uh, Batman one twenty four, Dark Knights of Steel number seven. Uh, we have the first issue of Dark Crisis, and the second issue of Flashpoint Beyond. Cool. Uh, and these are both very very popular books. Um, if you're hearing this now, you probably I uh, did miss out, but call your local comic book store, see if they still have copies. Um, I personally did miss out on Flashpoint Beyond 2, because um, I didn't uh, have them pull it for me, which is my bad. <laughs> I'll, I'll grab it when they get a second printing. Um, but uh, we got Batman Killing Time 2, Poison Ivy number 1. We got the third issue of Batman Beyond Neo Year. We have a uh, DC Pride uh, 2022 for Pride Month. Um, we have Aquaman, Andromeda, number one. Uh, Monkey Prince, number five. Multiversity Teen Titans, number one. Uh, we have Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number one. And Earth Prime, number five, The Flash. Uh, so they've got some big events going on. Uh, definitely worth picking up uh, Flashpoint Beyond. Uh, Dark Crisis. I didn't get to read the, the pre-entry that I grabbed, um, but... You know, if you're into DC, I'm sure that it's a must-have. Yeah. Uh, Dark Horse, we got oh, some from Dark Horse this let's week. Let's say where'd you go. <laughs> Dark Horse. Uh, the, the gears were just turning a little bit there. Uh, you know, got to prime the engine. Uh, we got The Ward, number one. And Jenny Zero, two, number two. So not a lot from Dark Horse this week, but, uh, you know, some solid ones. What's Jenny Zero? You know, I don't know, but it looks familiar. I think it's... Something that's been going on for at least a little bit. You should Google it. Google it right now, Kevin. Jenny Zero. Oh, it looks very anime. Sex, yeah, it's more sex animated. Drugs and giant monsters. Nice. Witness the decade's most hysterically colossal throwdown. Jenny and Dana battle against the Jagokai. Jagokai. Death Cult. Psychically animated burger mascot. That's. <laughs> what the hell? It's a psychically animated burger mascot. Yeah, meanwhile, Director Santo's ominous plans begin to come to evil fruition. Jenny's father's journal, Mega Commander Zero's origin, continues to be revealed. First appearance of a character that will shake the very foundation of Jenny's life. What the hell? <laughs> that that sounds insane. Uh, I would check it out based on the comic um, cover alone. Just some chick eating a hamburger while a giant monster breaks into what appears to be a large atrium of some sort. Okay. All right. So check out Jenny Zero number two, or Jenny Zero two number two. Yes. Uh, we got some from Image this week as well. Uh, we got Spawn 330, Oblivion Song 36, Twig number two, Time Before Time 13. Sweet Paprika, number 10. That Texas Blood, number 14. Uh, Metal Society, number 2. And Cyberforce 30th Anniversary Commemorative Edition, number 1. Do you ever read the Cyberforce books, Kev? No, but I'm looking at the cover right now for that one. It's weird. You probably saw them all over the place. They were very popular when we, well, when I was a kid. Probably when you were a little bit older. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, uh, but that's it. That's all I wrote down because there's a lot, a lot come out every week. Make sure to check out League of Comic Geeks dot com where you can find the new books every week. 
Uh, you can also record which books you have and create a pull list for yourself that reminds you what books to get. Uh, so create a profile, go check it out. You don't need a profile to see what new books come out. Do whatever you want. It's a great website. Yes. But uh, with that, uh, do we got anything before we dive back into Eternals? I mean, speaking of, of uh, comic comic websites, check out Marvel Unlimited current, uh, oh, what is it, promo that's going on. It's uh, $60 for the whole year to get Marvel Unlimited, so okay. you can basically read their entire stock of comic books. That's about half price, right? I think so, yeah. Okay, nice, yeah. Grab it for half price. 60 bucks for an entire year uh, for like as many comic books as you can read is not bad. No. If you prefer no. the physical ones, you're definitely going to be paying a hell of a lot more than that. I believe the promo code um, is save a 50 and we're, we're not sponsored by Marvel, but you could save yourself some, some money. Right. We're not sponsored by Marvel yet. <laughs> but yeah, uh, check out Marvel Unlimited. They do actually publish books that only exist on Marvel Unlimited. So there are books you can't get without reading uh, that system, which I don't love, but, you know, that's how they get people to sign up. Got to do something, right? Yep. And uh, it's really not super expensive, even at regular price, uh, $10 a month. Um, and then uh, as far as news about Marvel Unlimited, there is... Uh, Hulkling, Hulkling and Wiccan, uh, number one, that was originally an exclusive to that being published as a book, uh, I think next week. Uh, so we've got some interesting overlap between the two, but, uh, yeah, uh, if that's it, it is time to get back to it. Do it. To do it. I'm All ready. Right. I'm ready. So I'm we're, saying. we're approaching the 20th century of the current timeline. So we've got uh, important Eternals being Kingo, Cersei, Icarus, Makari, Fastos, Zurus, who is the uh, leader of the Eternals in the comic book world, uh, Thanos, Sprite, Druig, Thena, and Ajax. Uh, there are other ones in there, but uh, they generally don't appear for more than like an issue or two or less. Um, they always include like a list of all of the Eternals in at least um, every couple of books. So if you want to look at that full list, you can do that. You can check it out on the uh, fan wiki. Um, but yeah, uh, those are our important uh, primary characters. Uh, so as we remember, Eternals are genetically engineered humans by the Celestials to protect the Earth and the machine. They possess a wide variety of superpowers and are very durable but not unkillable. But they are functionally immortal as long as the resurrection machines in the exclusion are functional. The exclusion exists between six artificial molecules at the North Pole. What does that mean? It means they created a pocket universe or dimension inside of a very, very, very small space uh, at the North Pole. As far as I understand it. Okay. Which, uh, you so know. Their Fortress of Solitude. Essentially, Fortress of Solitude, if it was between, like, molecules and very, 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 very tiny. <laughs> very tiny. Uh, so they, they, like, teleport to it, essentially. The primary foe is the Deviant Race, which was also created by Celestials. One of their primary responsibilities is correcting excess deviation. Deviants live in the collapsed city of Lemuria. They are humanoid and can be many different colors and sizes, but they are affected by increasing deviation and eventually mutate into monsters that kill indiscriminately. Most recently, the third host of Celestials arrived to destroy the Deviants after the Eternals lost control through excessive internal conflict between the factions of Eternals between Kronos and Uranos. During this host, the Eternals helped humanity grow while acting as emissaries of gods and acting as gods themselves. Ajax is named the primary communicator to the Celestials and placed in suspended animation in the Temple of the Space Gods in the Andes, while Icarus tunes his senses to the Celestials. Eternals and Deviants form a truce until the fourth host of Celestials arrives. 
So we see a kind of a long period of light or no contact conflict at all. So uh, in 1906, an earthquake in San Francisco damages the sleeping celestial's chamber. This requires the Eternals to form a unimine to fix it. Apparently affected by the Mad Weary, Sprite realizes he can seize the Celestial's power to change his status as an Eternal so he can finally age. So he sets out wiping the memory of the reactivation chamber from the minds of the Eternals through his uh, illusory powers. Yeah, what a dick. Um... Isn't it weird that they decided to change the sex of Sprite? Uh, no, actually, later uh, in in what happens with the Eternals in the comic books, um, you do see at least uh, Sprite changes sex. Uh, there's at least one other uh, Eternal that changes sex. It doesn't appear to be anything that's like uh, foreign to this group. Okay, that's good for everyone at home to know. Yes. Uh, so yeah, remember they're functioning at eternal because they're resurrected. Um, so the machine might just be like, okay, now this eternal is a female, whatever. Interesting. That's very similar to, um, what they do in Dr. Who. They have something called the matrix, uh, which store, you actually got to see a, uh, data core from it in an episode that was not very recent. I think it was with Peter Capaldi. It was the one where Missy was revealed as being the master uh, from his series. Of, I uh, literally have only watched one episode from his series. Oh, well, anyway, this, in this particular one, this is where the uh, Cybermen were part of her giant plan to, uh, I don't know, conquest the universe. But anyway, you got to see the Matrix data core where they were storing human consciousness. Uh, whereas beforehand they were storing Time Lord consciousness and then they would uh, reconfigure their DNA in the gene pool and then they would push another one out and then they would insert a consciousness into it from the Matrix. That's what, at least that's what the Time Lords used to do. I suppose I should say, whoa. Whoa. It was cool. I mean, that's a pretty cool history fact if you want to look it, look it up. But that's what they used to do. Nice. Okay, interesting. Learning stuff about Doctor Who as well. Mm-hmm. Gotta Always bring, cool. Got to bring in those uh, those different um, different topics, especially when they're you know related. I'm sure one influenced the other, or vice versa. All right, continue. Don't listen to me. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so, in the 1930s, after the outbreak of World War II, scientist Matthew Grayson contacts the Uranian Eternals and is given the secret of building a rocket so that he and his son can escape Nazi Germany. Robert grows up among the Uranian Eternals as one of them. Uh, if you remember, the Uranian Eternals are the group that was uh, attempting to return to Earth after being exiled and uh, crash-landed on uh, Uranus. And uh, they yeah. got taken in by the natives with the explicit uh, explicit uh, instruction that if they uh, leave the enclosure, that they will be uh, slaughtered or killed or got it. generally incapacitated violently. Uh, so the Iranian Eternals were plotting to return to their original home to spread their version of Utopia. But with the appearance of Captain America... They instead decide to augment Robert and train him to be a hero humans could relate to. They could subversively spread their utopian ideals. <laughs> Make hey. it sound weird. I know. It's like, hey, do you want a perfect life? Yeah. No, what are you talking about? Oh, Fuck you. Who the hell are you talking to? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it would seem weird that they would like hide that, but you know that's what happened. So here we are. Uh, so Robert Grayson, the Uranian, uh, overall Earthbound Eternals during this time uh, was minimal. They didn't really do a whole bunch, but as a deviant warlord named Crow and masquerading as Pluto, uh, 
what I meant to say was the deviant warlord Crow was masquerading as the god Pluto. <laughs> uh, he gets involved with the Nazis. And then Zurus responds by sending Makari, um, who is masquerading as Mercury, the god Mercury, to defeat Crow. Uh, Makari does eventually change uh, his alias to Hurricane, and helps the allies throughout the war. Nice. Yes. Uh, in 1950, the Iranian Eternals send Robert to Earth to spread their word of utopia, but his actions are received poorly as he has arrived during the Cold War. He changes his name to Marvel Boy and soon becomes a renowned superhero. Eventually, I, I also have to point out that like it's really weird that he changed his name to Marvel Boy because in the pictures I saw, he looked like to be about 30. And it's like, I'm 30. I wouldn't call myself a boy. And he wasn't someone's sidekick. So what the hell? So, Right. Um, So eventually Robert decided humanity needed to find its own way without tampering by the Uranian Eternals. Learning of Robert's lack of dedication prompts the Uranian Eternals to set up the Eternal Thelius as Robert's replacement. However, at this time, the Uranians find out about the Eternals' violation of their rule against leaving the inclusion and their plot to do so, and set about killing the Uranian Eternals. While Robert does respond to the distress signal his creator sent, he arrives too late and is absorbed into the Uranian hive mind. Thelius does escape, but has incomplete memories. It takes until the modern times for him to arrive at Earth. That's the last we're going to hear about Thelius. Ouch. Yes. Taken out. Uh, so he's he's out spread. there somewhere, just floating in space. <laughs> uh, just like, you know, half of the century. Ha ha. Jesus. Yeah, listen to our King in Black podcast for reference on that. Uh, After the creation of the Atom Bomb, a group of Eternals, Deviants, and Humans formed the Damocles Foundation to study what species would become dominant next on Earth. They decide on the mutants. After experimenting with Homo Superior in a town called Almost Reno, that is actually what it's called in the comics, I swear. What is it called? Almost Reno. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All but one of the experimented kids survives. The Damocles Foundation also infiltrates S.H.I.E.L.D. and Operation Zero Tolerance to keep tabs on super-powered humans. Uh, later, the Eternal Pixie joins the superhero team first line in the 1960s with Makari and the other Eternals begin joining human society. Kingo and Cersei get into acting and motion pictures. Druig and others join the KGB. During this time, Black Bolt comes to Zerus for help with finding a way to keep humans from discovering and attacking Atalan. That's the uh, base that they have on the moon, in mm-hmm. the blue space of the moon, where there's air, apparently. That was a colony of the Cree, where they experimented with uh, combining human and Cree genetics. Uh, Zerus agrees and has some Eternals create a space in the Himalayas that can serve for city building, but tells Black Bolt, it's up to you, my dude, to actually build the city. So, yeah, at least partially nice, you know? Yeah. Help them a little bit. Jesus. Uh, so, no, okay. no, no, just listening to all of oh, this okay. crazy, crazy amounts of history. Yeah, what do you think so far? I'm interested in finding out more, especially. So you're saying that there's a pretty large, um, sorry, a pretty already substantial amount of history between uh, the X-Men or at least mutants in general and the Eternals. How much of that? Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I would say yes, but um, there really wasn't anything in the articles to actually reference that. So I think the only 
like true connection that they have to them right now is that the X-Men have uh, the X-Gene, which uh, also exists in the Deviants. What are you saying? They have a substantial history with each other in the comic books. They've interacted. I think um, they have interacted. I don't know if it's substantial. Oh, okay. Sorry, then I was uh, mistaken. I said how, I think... how much of it would play into this whole new Judgment Day that's going to happen. Um, I believe that it's probably going to play into it a lot. I think they may not have interacted too much at this point because uh, the Eternals appear not to to know that the X gene is you know connected between deviants and mutants. So I'm going to assume that what triggers Judgment Day is that they find out that uh, they share that with the deviants and that the Zerus or at least a Celestial is going to tell them that they, you know, must comply with uh, exterminating the mutants. So you're saying that the mutants in general being some sort of uh, deviation of the deviants will play into the Eternals having to um, fight them or destroy them? Uh, yes. Got it. Because they could become mm-hmm. too dangerous. Yeah, so we haven't seen any any mutant succumb to excess deviation. So it is possible um, that, you know, they could do that. Interesting. Um, but And how the hell do the uh, Inhumans even that. play into this? Well, they have um, a, a back history with the Eternals. Um, last time we were talking about them, uh, they did have a, like a war with the Eternals, kind of. So they, they had conflict with the Eternals at some point. And how the hell do the Avengers play into this? That's a good question. Uh, I think that might have to do with the fact that the Avengers have been living inside of um, a Celestial at the North Pole for like a couple of years now. Just these these and many more questions that I'll come up with. Absolutely. I, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to... We can... A- talk more about that in a little bit once we get to um that celestial um and then i uh, you know not to spoil it but next week we'll talk about uh the celestials so we'll get yeah. into that more that cool. way uh, but now we are at the fourth host so this is the fourth uh visit by a group of celestials to earth so on the approach to Earth, Icarus, while in disguise, leads archaeologist Daniel, Damien, and his daughter Margot to the Celestial's beacon and reveals the true history of Earth and the existence of the Eternals and Deviants to them. Shortly after, Crow attacks and is fought off by Icarus and Ajax, who had activated the beacon. The Deviants reacted by attacking New York City and capturing Icarus and Circe in the fighting. Zerus dispatches Makari and Thena to defend the city. After some vicious fighting, Thena and Crow come to a truce and decide to reveal the existence of their two races to humanity via Samuel Holden, an anthropology professor. Finding out about the impending arrival of the Celestials, Odin of Asgard petitioned all the pantheons of gods to lend him their strength to fight them off. With the strength of many gods, Odin grew to the size of a celestial and wore the destroyer armor and wielded the Odin sword in defense of Earth. Zerus and the Eternals. Cool. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool. And it's uh, uh, I didn't get to see a picture of that one, so I'm sure the panel is pretty awesome. Do you think that uh, that may be something that they possibly could do in Thor: Love and Thunder? In that one, obviously not with Odin, but I'm thinking uh, with with Thor and Stormbreaker. I don't know. Maybe it it seems you're you're probably saying that there's no. I think it's historical unlikely. viewpoint in the in the comic books for that. Uh, possible. I think where we're at with the cinematic universe might not do that now but you're saying because i think it's going to be more focused on the conflict between um the thors and uh gore the god butcher than uh you know a potential celestial incursion Got but it. it's possible it is possible i mean they have introduced the celestials there's not nothing to say that they won't 
show up out of nowhere. Uh, so Zurus and the Eternals form a Unimind and join the fight alongside Odin. In the battle, the construct of the Unimind takes a strong hit, causing it to separate and dissolve, killing Zurus. After the confrontation, the fourth host of Celestials ruled in favor of Earth and departed. Okay, so while Odin wielded great power, uh, essentially everything he threw at them, they turned aside like it was uh, like a gnat. <laughs> so when we talk about the power of Celestials, we're talking about uh, just like a, a whole nother magnitude of existence. An insane magnitude of cosmic power that's far greater than even Odin with the pantheon of gods behind him. Mm-hmm. Multiple pantheons of gods. Multiple pantheons. Him. Multiple uh like leaders of those pantheons power. So I think And you... they just turned it aside like it was nothing. Yeah, thinking about that for a second here and knowing that there that nowhere is a celestial's head. If and I think they probably will, since Thor's been spending some time with the Guardians of the Galaxy. What will likely happen is we'll see that the magnitude of the all-black Necrosword is far and away one of the most powerful devices in the well in the Marvel universe, but in the MCU for sure. Absolutely. I like to yeah, no worries. I like to bring yeah, those things good. up. Continue. Uh, yeah. So uh, now we we start to see the fruition of Sprite's plan. Uh, so years after the departure of the fourth host, Sprite finally sets his plan in motion, tapping into the power of the dreaming celestial Tiamat. Uh, standing in Golden Gate Park, he wipes the minds of Makari, Dina, Percy, and Icarus, making them believe they are just normal humans. Sprite has been acting as a human as well, named Colin, on a show called It's Just So Sprite. Uh, a playoff of that so raven wow uh eventually the eternals see through the illusion and zurus murders sprite for his actions damn however the dreaming celestial has now been awoken and sits judging humanity although it is still incapable of movement it is eventually discovered that only makari can me communicate with it why i uh, you know, I don't remember. And it didn't say in the article. Hmm. Uh, I think it has, it, it likely has something to do with um, Makari's power. Um, in a recent uh, comic book where they are in the, the head of the Celestial that the Avengers live in, Makari is able to communicate with the Celestial because uh, they are essentially able to be in multiple places at multiple times there were uh, like six different spots for an eternal to fill but since makari is capable of being like super super fast they can be in each of those six spaces at almost the same time trippy yes um and so uh, after their time in the illusion Cersei and Makari rekindle their relationship. Ooh, smoochie, smoochie. Uh, however, as Makari uh, communes more with the Dreaming Celestial, his life force starts to fade. Tiamat. Concerned for her lover, Cersei confronts the Celestial, only to find out herself and Makari are part of its plan for the arrival of the Horde and it's to be Cersei's duty to protect Makari. Uh, so this makes it sound more like it's uh, actually just the the Dreaming Celestial's choice not to communicate with anyone else. Um, that makes more sense. The, yeah. And then the, the one I'm talking about is the, uh, the, the Celestial that they live in for the Avengers is essentially uh, dead. So uh, it's a different situation altogether. Oh, all right. Um, yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, Cersei fails at her mission, and Makari is killed, prompting the start of a countdown to global annihilation, thanks to the destruction of the resurrection machines in the exclusion. To thwart the Horde and reestablish communication with the Celestial, Cersei pushes her powers of transmutation and turns herself into Makari 
substituting his consciousness with her own. So she is able to literally transmute her body into his and pulls his consciousness out of wherever it is into the body, uh, allowing her own to, I would say leave. Leave is probably correct. Okay. Uh, so Makari reestablishes communication with the Celestial and finalizes its plan to have the Fulcrum, a powerful cosmic entity beyond even Celestial power, dispatch the Horde. So now we're going to talk about the Fulcrum. Uh, the Fulcrum is who the Celestials, the Horde, and the Watchers serve uh, in sublime equilibrium. So Celestials would be the positive, the Horde is the negative, and the Watchers are the neutral central entity. Um, after 19 cosmic cycles, the planet the Celestials had experimented on would be judged as Earth. If the balance favored the Eternals, the Celestials would gain the planet's power. If the Deviants, then the Horde would receive it. Following Circe's death, she arrived at the Vestibule, what the Eternals' afterlife is. It's essentially a waiting room while they wait to be resurrected. Okay. Upon arrival, she is greeted by the Fulcrum and given two options. Be reincarnated on her home planet, or to go to some sort of heaven. However, the Dreaming Celestial arrives shortly after at the Vestibule and asks the Fulcrum to spare the Earth. The Fulcrum says it would consider it if the Celestial answers questions first. Its first question is simply why. The Celestial then removes its helmet and says that it cares for the planet and its species. The Fulcrum stops the Celestial, saying it had been waiting for one of its kind to transcend its purpose and asks for it to become its companion, to which the Celestial agrees, and the Fulcrum spares Earth. All right, so some trippy stuff there. Yeah, there's a lot going on in there, particularly. Yeah, so we've got, uh, you know, the the souls of the Eternals, even the soul of the Celestial, uh, interacting with a... Uh, overarching cosmic entity. Uh, we will find more out about these cosmic entities when we talk about the core celestials. Um, but there's a there's a decent amount of uh, stuff there. So we've got a, a celestial taking its helmet off. So what I'll say about that is I personally believe this to be more of a representation of what the celestial itself uh, feels about its own existence and a projection rather than what actually exists. So what you're saying is when they take their helmet off, uh, when they take their helmet off, that whatever they're seeing or whatever we're seeing is whatever they want us to see. Yes, but also like just based on where they are, I don't think it's a an actual representation because they're not in the real world when this is happening. This is uh, it's okay. essentially like a a different dimensional space. This is their interpretation of themselves. Yeah, mm. uh, that's what I personally believe about it. That is that that is really trippy stuff. It is. It is. Oh yeah. No. Go ahead. There was a. Um, I don't know if anybody has watched Babylon Five. Have you watched Babylon Five? A long time ago. Yeah, Babylon 5 has a, a race of beings called the Vorlon, who uh, manipulated some of the genetic material of a lot of the younger races a long time ago, so that any time one of the younger races comes into contact with one of them or sees them, uh, nine times, I mean, nine not most of the time they're wearing some sort of suit, uh, but they're only wearing the suit to conceal themselves. So anytime someone does see one outside of the suit, they see whatever um, the Vorlons wanted them to see in the first place. So, for instance, when the human sees a Vorlon, they usually see an angel with wings. When someone like, uh, what were the other races in there? When a different race sees it, they see something very angelic, uh, something from their religious beliefs. Hmm. That's what I pictured when you said something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much like golden glowing... Like being underneath the helmet. Cool, cool. Yes. 
So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's a that's a huge thing. It's this um, this like galaxy spanning entity. Not only employs uh, creatures that have their own power to shape the entire universe, uh, is you know making a bargain with its subordinate uh, to uh, save what is the most important planet in uh, the comic series. Not arguably, like actually the most important. And like this is a celestial that's seen countless, you know, races and planets come and go. But they're putting it out there that, like, this is, you know, the race that we have to save, that we have to let, uh, like, let their existence continue. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that brings us to the dark celestials. Hot. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when countless bodies of celestials rain down on Earth to herald the arrival of the dark celestials, the Eternals learn the dark truth of their role. Uh, they were to cultivate humanity as the Celestials saw humanity's genetic potential to act as antibodies against the Horde. This truth drove them mad, and many turned on each other or committed suicide. So, uh, it's you know, pretty you're, heavy you're, stuff for what's supposed to be a, a a child's comic. Well, I would explicitly say after the golden age of comic books, and even like early 80s they definitely take a turn towards a more mature audience so i would say most comic books now are not for anyone under 10 or 12 i was gonna say that's probably why they had so much difficulty in the 90s and early 2000s when they ended up having to sell off a lot of their properties or at least their movie rights yeah a big part of what they were doing was um Actually, one thing we talked about uh, in the uh, Doctor Strange episode, which is the Midnight Suns, where you had a lot of like really dark characters. You had multiple Ghost Riders. You had the Darkhold. You had uh, Blade. Uh, all sorts of things that are much darker than like Captain America um, or you know Iron Man, even. Although, like, you could argue that both of those kind of have their own, like, dark arcs. Overall, their characters are much more um, approachable. Their image is approachable as opposed to, um, like, for instance, why can't I think of someone off the top of my head? I don't know. Even even some of Doctor Strange's stuff is pretty pretty dark. Especially if anybody's seen the Multiverse of Madness, it got real dark real quick. That is true, but I think, at least in principle, the first like stretch of Doctor Strange was more it was less about like the darkness and more about the otherworldliness of the things so it wasn't necessarily you know this is a dark part of something that interacts with humanity more like this is a supernatural thing outside of like what you would normally encounter whereas like um, Iron Man has a arc called Demon in a Bottle uh, which has his uh, struggle with alcoholism um, and how that affected him as you no, know, a superhero. Totally, come on. Yeah, and like honestly, that's a really important storyline for that character. So yeah, it's darker, but it's it's relevant. But like some of the things for like Midnight Sun's Blade uh, were just like they were just dark. Like the Spirit of Vengeance Ghost Rider, those books are dark, man. Like uh, the the whole premise of that character is that he's like kind of avenging on these like horrible deeds that people have done when he stares into your eyes, the like pain and suffering you've inflicted on others is inflicted on you. That's pretty bad, man. It's not like, Hey, you stole that purse. I'm going to punch you in the face and throw you in jail. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to say yes to this one. Yeah. But I would say like overall now, like where. The storylines are definitely still like pretty dark, um, but they're just they're just mature, mature like themes. So I would say like average ten twelve is you know a good time for most of these books. They do have books that come out for like younger ages as well. So um, you know if you're looking for books that are good for younger people, you can find them. They're easy to find. 
uh, I would go to your local comic book store and just ask them for them. Um, but you know, like these, these books, I think do responsibly approach these subjects. So, uh, I wouldn't be too worried about like straight up like darkness. It's not, um, spawn, which is going to just throw you directly into the that one deepest, embraces... darkest black pit. Yeah. That one embraces it to begin with. Oh yeah. I mean, but that's, you would, you have to know that that's what it is. Like it's been around long enough that you would have to know. Like it's come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, over many years, the resurrection machines had been partially restored by Fastos and the machine itself. As the Eternals are eventually reborn, Sprite is reborn female and imprisoned in the exclusion for her crimes. As she was resurrected to her last safe backup, the rest of the Eternals decide on release with supervision once Icarus was reborn. So she was reborn before uh, she had even like hatched that plot. So they determined that that representation of Sprite isn't exactly that same person who committed that act. Okay. Uh, so Fastos was the first Eternal to resurrect, and as he was looking through the machine's logs of resurrections, he discovers when an Eternal is reborn, a human life is taken. With this revelation, Fastos vows to end the machine and the Eternals. He rescues Thanos Whoa. from a black hole and blackmails the Titan into helping him. <laughs> of all Fastos, the people to choose... Yeah. That's an interesting concept. All right. Mm -hmm. What does he do? Uh, Fastos begins by sabotaging the resurrection machines and having Thanos kill Zurus so he could frame Thanos for damaging the machine. Fastos' treachery was unveiled when the Earth's environment began. Began? Began. Begat? Begat? No, began. 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 Uh, began <laughs> uh -huh, to deteriorate due to the damage to the machine. While Fastos attempts to fix the machine, he fails to do so, and with impending doom, Icarus sacrifices himself to repair the machine. So he expends literally all of his power, all of his life force to uh, fix the machine. Uh, Fastos reveals what the machine does when it resurrects Eternals to the rest of the Eternals. Uh, once Zurus is resurrected, uh, Icarus is also resurrected, mm -hmm. uh, they debate the morality of the resurrections, but as Zurus believes the majority of Eternals would not care about the life of a single human, uh, that no change would ever happen. So with this revelation, several Eternals leave for Lemuria to better learn how to be like the Deviants. So current series uh we're seeing um the core group of eternals kingo cersei ajax uh athena makari uh fastos uh living in lemuria with the deviants uh trying to learn to be um like more mortal creatures um while thanos has been given the title of Prime Eternal. Uh, bullshit. After, yeah, after a bullshit election. Um, <laughs> so he is, he is trying to force the machine to... like he, he can have that title, but not be integrated into the machine. So he is not technically uh, an Eternal. He is a byproduct of an Eternal that had a uh, deviant syndrome. So he is begot of an eternal. Um, yes. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as, as we uh, talked about last week, eternals cannot uh, mate with each other. So they cannot have children with another eternal. Um, they can, however, uh, breed with uh, any like outside race. So like, uh, they can genetically engineer uh, 
children that are like some combination of eternal and like a uh, Cree, for oh, example. Okay. Um, but they can't like just get together and have a kid. It just, it doesn't, doesn't do anything. Um, that's how they are created. That's okay. how the celestials created them. Okay. That's where we're at dog. Uh, so, um, they are trying to live more as mortals with, uh, at least Cersei and Dina, um, like having relationships with deviants. I uh, Cersei had already had uh, a deviant lover. Um, uh, meanwhile, Thanos uh, yep. is he's trying to get himself into that machine. Um, it's a lot, hell of a lot harder without Fastos around. Um, so he's uh, using Druig as kind of like a uh, what's a good a lick spittle. There we go. That's, oh that's, my that's God. A good one. Yeah, that's a that's an old one for you out yeah. there. I gotta look it's that like one up. I don't even know what that means. It's like right. a toady. It's like worm tongue in Lord of the Rings. Lick spittle. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so um, obsequiously. Yeah, so, okay, so the actual definition is a person who behaves obsequiously to those in power. You want to Google that one too? <laughs> yeah, it's like well, come on. <laughs> Obedient we're or building atten- our, we're building vocabulary here. Yeah, obedient or attentive to an excessive or servile degree. Yeah, I mean so you can get it from context, but what the hell? I thought yeah. definitions should be slightly smaller for their slightly uh, uh, le- more direct. less obtuse. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Druig is following him around like a. You know, like essentially, <laughs> what do you want, Nestor? Uh, well, as we know, and Druig's always got some sort of bullshit going on uh, where he is trying to gain the upper hand. Um, it's not been revealed yet. It's just, he is an, just asshole. an asshole. Uh, it, during this time, uh, we also see Thanos uh, essentially like release his parents from captivity uh, just to like torture and interrogate them. Uh, on you know why he was created and how he was created and uh, murder them over and over and over and over and over uh, until he gets bored with it uh, and then they're put back in prison. Um, and that's I mean that's the last thing I read uh, besides his interaction with Uranus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Uranus is in the exclusion he's in prison he's just hanging out on a big ass throne in like a, a prison cell uh and like when he walks in he's like oh finally you've arrived and he's like and thanos is like oh you're not afraid of me it's like hell no i'm not afraid of you because it's uranos he's essentially one of the uh primary core eternals mm. um so he 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 Eventually, uh, Thanos proves to him that he is, you know, more devious and, uh, you know, in the vein of stuff that Uranus likes. And he's like, okay, well, I don't, hmm. I don't, uh, in the vein not, of what Uranus likes. You're not a likes. total loser. I guess I'll, I'll share some information with you, grandson. Gotcha. Uh, and he, he tells him about all these uh, weapons, uh, but of course, can't access them. If you're not a part of the machine, so <laughs> he's like dick punch, <laughs> dick punch. Uh, so uh, his his quest to find out how to become part of the machine continues uh, while we stampede towards Judgment Day. So I'm certain that that will also play into uh, Judgment Judgment Day. Day. Cool, um, as it's a a core uh, thing that's happening in the current series, and they're not just going to be like. Yeah, that's nice. We'll put this on hold. <laughs> I'm sure they'll probably mention it in one of the issues, if not dedicate one of the issues to continuing it while at the same time overarching the uh, the story for Judgment Day. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So is that was that all you had for today on this on this story? Yeah, that's all I have for Eternals oh. for right now. Um, so, like, what what do you think? Uh, where do you think? This is going to go as far as like the uh, MCU. For the Eternals, uh, it sounds an awful lot like we're going to see 
a lot more of them. Uh, if anything, I'll bet you that the... Um, what the hell is the name of their ship in the Eternals movie? I can't remember what it was called. Uh, the Domo. The Domo. I believe that. I'll bet you the Domo with Eros is going to head towards um, uh, Uranus. Uranus? Where is the... I'm sorry. Where are they located again? Uh, well, the Eternals are primarily on Earth. We're talking in about... the exclusion. Are, uh, are, are you talking... Uh, Eros would be from Titan, so, um, but uh, they could they could go to Uranus to to find the Uranian Eternals. Yeah, possible. that's what I was gonna say. I thought they were gonna head towards where the Uranians were. Yeah, they definitely could. Um, for sure. I mean, it seems like if not for anything, it seems like that's what they're planning on doing—to go find their brother and sister Eternals, and then make their way. Uh, to Arishem to to get Cersei and all the rest of them back. Uh, that's where I think their story is headed, and I'm very yeah, much they, looking forward they're, to it. They're building a crew to take on Arishem. Yeah, because at the at the moment, Sprite is still. Did they take Sprite? I think she. I think they took Sprite. No, Sprite was left on Earth. Uh, because Cersei used the last bit of her power to um, uh, turn Sprite into a human. I could have sworn that I saw that Arishem had taken Sprite too. But maybe I, I could be wrong. I, hey, I honestly don't remember. I haven't watched it in a few months. But yeah, I think that's where they're headed. And that'd be pretty cool. I mean,. You notice that with, I mean, with the addition of Gore the God Butcher and Thor: The Love and Thunder, that character is relatively new in the MCU. Like within the yeah. last decade, showed up, and that just means that all these newer stories they're just going to keep getting thrown in too. Why the hell not? Yeah. So. And uh, it does look like uh, Judgment Day did get pushed back a little bit. So right now it's slated for the 20th of July. So what? it's a little bit later, I know. I was excited for it. Re still really excited for it, but there's plenty of stuff in between. So we'll have plenty of time to prepare for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So but, we'll, get, but, uh, uh... we'll get another episode on X-Men. Uh, but that's that's pretty much, you know. That's it. it for uh, today. Yeah. What uh, What are we planning for next week? Next week is the Celestials. Ooh, I like the Celestials. Yeah. Learn a little bit about their history and how they came into being. I imagine. Uh, yeah, we're gonna learn a lot about uh, some cosmic entities. Nice. So. Yeah, catch us for that next week. Also, catch us this week's Stargate Sunday. It's going to be Hathor. This is an interesting one. Ooh. This is a story that I feel has been played out a few different times, where it actually got played out in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with, um, I, I can't remember her name, but do you remember the episode first season? The Asgardian woman who came uh, being chased oh, by Lady Sif. Was it Enchantress? That's the only one I can think of. It could have been. It could have been the Enchantress. But uh, it was an Asgardian woman who was being chased by Lady Sif, uh, and she had the ability to manipulate men, but not women. So she did that. So this is sort of what the story is about. It's uh, a ghouled queen who has the ability to manipulate men uh, and their minds. Is it, is it a ghouled queen or the ghouled queen? A ghouled queen. There's multiple. Okay, because it's just the, the description Sorry, made it sound like she was... <laughs> Google thought <laughs> I was talking to it. It it uh, it just made it sound like it that she was like the ghoul queen. Uh, in this case, she's Ra's queen. Okay. Uh, or former queen. It's it's really hard to tell. It seems like they flip flop a little bit, but in this case, uh, Hathor was stuck in a sarcophagus and. Uh, they found her and they brought her to the SGC and she seems to know an awful lot about Gould so they are like very interested in keeping her hush hush 
So that's what we're doing this week. And then next week for them is going to be the Singularity. The Singularity is actually a really good one. Okay. I'm excited. Uh, so, yeah. Catch us for all those. Uh, also, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, at 7 Days RSG. Let us know what you think on Podchaser. You can review episodes as well as our overall uh, podcast. Yeah, so. if you want to see something specific, uh, something new, put that in there too. Yeah, and then catch us for our new series of, um, what did we call them, fan theories? Fan conspiracy theories about different fan things. Fan spiracies. Fan spiracies, uh, where we will, uh, I believe next week we're going to do one about the Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I still have to watch that movie, too. I I also have to watch that one. So uh, we'll watch that, and then we'll talk about it uh, sometime next week with you guys. All right. Cool, cool, cool. That's all we got. We'll talk to you guys later. Later, alligators. Wish you seven days to rock and stone. Rock and stone. Later. Bye-bye.